just to set the scene for today, you will all know that we as a country face a number of extraordinary challenges at, at the moment, and that includes the National Health Service. The government has two overriding priorities. The first one is to restore order to the country's finances so that we can be put on a path to long-term economic uh, stabili stability and growth. Everything depends on achieving that aim. We're not going to falter in that task. But as important as that is ensuring the future health of our citizens. So while the majority of public services, regrettably, are facing real terms cuts in their budgets, the same cannot be said for health. When it comes to health, our aim is simple to express, if rather more difficult to put into practice. Uh, we want to achieve outcomes that are consistently among the very best in the world. The challenge is to achieve that aim within a far tighter financial context. For while we are committed to increasing funding every year of this parliament, without major change in the way we do things, these increases are not going to be enough, and they won't be enough by a wide margin, up to 20 billion a year by the end of this parliament. How are we going to make such large savings? Well, the two-year pay freeze for all except those earning less than £21,000 will undoubtedly help. But it'll need far more than that. It's a Herculean task, and it requires an effort that is, I think, truly historic, uh, and a fundamental change in the way that the NHS operates. It's going to be far from easy... But knowing the people within the NHS as I do, uh, knowing the extraordinary levels of skill and expertise and creativity that dwell within it, I'm extremely optimistic than we, that we can uh, achieve our goals. The name of last year's NHS white paper, Equity and Excellence Liberating the NHS, really sets out both our aims to combine the current world-leading levels of equity with excellence in terms of clinical outcomes and the way in which we propose to achieve those aims. We want to liberate the health service, to free it from constant micromanagement from above, not only from ministers and Whitehall mandarins, but from the whole top-down system that has developed over the years and under governments of all colours. A system that progresses by telling people what to do. I believe we've come to the end of the improvements, both to quality of care and efficiency, that can be achieved in this way. The way forward must be to have ideas flowing from the bottom up for innovation and creativity to be the drivers of future change. There are really two intertwined threads to our reforms. Perhaps most obviously, there are the structural reforms. We will abolish primary care trusts and strategic health authorities, releasing hundreds of millions of pounds every year for frontline services. 
We will replace them with GP consortia, where GPs and their colleagues across the NHS, social care and local government will come together to design and commission local services. By giving GP consortia responsibility and control over commissioning budgets, we will align clinical decision-making with the consequences of that decision-making, encouraging a far more effective use of NHS budgets and, and resources. We will make all NHS trusts into foundation trusts, giving the freedom for them to organize themselves to the best of their abilities and compete against other providers to give patients the best possible levels of care. We will open the health market to any willing provider under the strong regulation of Monitor and the Care Quality Commission, bringing the benefits of competition to the NHS in the interests of the patient and the taxpayer. We can make enormous strides forward if we devolve power to the front line and support people to come together across health and social care with local government and with patients themselves to design local services. Now, structural change is, is vitally important, not for its own sake, but to harness that energy within NHS staff that I've been talking about. For the real payoff, will come not by moving lines and structures on a piece of paper, but from unleashing the creativity of the many individual people that make up our health service. The QIP agenda, quality, innovation, productivity, and prevention, focuses on how we can improve the quality of the care we deliver across the NHS, whilst at the same time releasing substantial efficiency savings at pace and at scale. Now, whilst this at first sight may sound like a contradiction in terms, they are in fact two sides of the same coin. Getting diagnosis, treatment and aftercare right first time improves the experience of patients, improves clinical outcomes and makes potentially dramatic cost savings. If you take those suffering <clears throat> from a chronic condition, by investing in telecare and telehealth technologies and by redesigning the care pathway, we can do far more to monitor and control a patient's condition remotely so as actively to prevent any potential exacerbation or crisis. Keeping people at home and out of hospital giving people a better level of care, a far better experience of care, and at the same time significantly reducing the costs of that care. QUIP presents local clinicians, commissioners, and providers in partnership with patients, and I do stress that, in partnership with patients and the, the local communities around them, presents them with the chance to be truly innovative in the design and delivery of services, leading to better outcomes for patients and better value for taxpayers, as I've said. Now, by devolving power to the lowest possible level, by ending that constant micromanagement that we've been used to from above, by giving GP consortia financial as well as clinical responsibility, I do believe that we will see an expansion 
an explosion, in fact, of innovation throughout the health service. Before Christmas, I visited one of the new Pathfinder consortia, the Bassett Law Commissioning Organization up in Nottinghamshire. And what struck me there was the palpable enthusiasm of the doctors about the potential within the consortium of delivering better care for their patients. They were already working alongside uh, the PCT, alongside uh, the local authority and, and with the local hospitals to explore new ways of delivering better care and making better use of the health budget. There are already 52 pathfinders in place. I would say watch this space this morning, involving over 1,800 GP practices and covering nearly a quarter of the population, with, with a lot more to come. Uh, I very much look forward to seeing just what they are capable of achieving and will achieve in the coming months and years. Now, often when we speak of innovation, our minds turn, don't they, to great inventions or discoveries, how patients can be brought back uh, from the brink of death by the latest technology or the da Vinci robot in use at uh, Imperial or whatever it happens to be. But as remarkable as those advances are, it is often the myriad of smaller improvements that can make the biggest difference, from the reorganization of a ward layout, which means that nurses can spend more time with their patients, to the development of new care pathways and new techniques, such as a new way of measuring hip, hip movement in children with cerebral palsy. Let me just share with you the example of the work happening at the Royal Brompton. There, they have worked with PCTs, hospitals, uh, and hospices across the region to develop a pathway for children who, whilst medically stable, are still dependent on long-term ventilation. And what they've done is to enable children to move out of ICU and, in many cases, to move home. And these are children who have been isolated from their siblings, from their families and friends, children who are now able to return to a place of comfort as they continue their treatment. A massive improvement in the experience of patients and one which has a very positive side effect for the hospital. For not only does it free up precious pediatric ICU units and beds, the early estimates of savings by, made by this new pathway on its own are almost £170,000 per patient. And that's an example of where real improvement is driven not from above but from below. And we need to go still further, not only innovating but sharing the knowledge and spreading the benefits <coughs> of innovation across the NHS. For whilst there are many isolated examples of excellence, and I've just referred to, to one, historically we are poor at ensuring the widespread uptake of clever ideas. The speed at which innovations, both large and small, are adopted across the country makes all the difference in the world. New ideas have to have their moment in the spotlight, if you like, and that's why things like the NHS Innovation Expo, which is uh, happening in March, I encourage you all to come, 
or our innovation prizes or the regional innovation funds, all those things, and actually the regional innovation fund has supported that project at the Royal Brompton, incidentally. All those things are so important. New, smarter ways of working, new clinical pathways, new technologies, all need to be in the spotlight so that they can be debated and discussed by a lot of people if they are going to be adopted across the country at the speed we want them to be. Now, one thing that will help here, I think, is a change to the financial incentives that commissioners and providers will face, principally through the tariff. In 2011-12, the national efficiency requirement will be 4%. 2% of that, half, will be embedded within the tariff through things like setting all tariffs below the average of reported costs, better targeting of long-stay payments, more best-practice tariffs. And increasing the number of best-practice tariffs will promote excellent care, help reduce unexplained clinical variation, increase day case rates where appropriate, and reduce lengths of stay in hospital. Changes to the rules governing payment will also reduce unplanned emergency admissions, readmissions. Now, further significant gains can, I think, be made by personalizing <coughs> and better integrating services and by delivering more care within local communities. From April, the number of organizations providing community services will grow, including over 60 new social enterprises and up to 16 new aspiring community foundation trusts. Many acute and mental health foundation trusts will also take on responsibility for providing local community services. Together, they will provide more choice for patients and play a vital role in shifting the focus of care within the health service away from the hospital and into the community, helping patients to recover at home and to manage their healthcare needs. Separate from PCTs, these autonomous providers of community services will support the NHS in its drive to improve quality and productivity. They will encourage clinicians to innovate, to transform services and promote healthy lifestyles and focus on prevention. And that's part of our wider drive to invite any willing provider to tender for contracts, creating a far more dynamic and innovative market for health services, driving up quality across the board. Well, today you have the, the, the day is dedicated to a single theme, a very important one, the, the task of improving productivity in the NHS. But I think it's important that we first agree on what we mean by productivity. We are not talking about the simple act of producing the most widgets for the least amount of money. By that standard, we should halve the length of every single GP consultation. Now, that would double productivity in one go, but it would also be a disaster for patients and, I dare say, exhausting for, for doctors. In the coming years, uh, many people across the country will have to make a great, a great many difficult decisions. And I ask them always to have 
this thought at the front of their minds, that this is about improving the quality of care and not simply cutting costs. Producing better clinical outcomes for the same or less cost and doing that by not by asking the NHS to work harder, but rather to work more efficiently. That really has to be our definition of productivity. Anything that puts the quality of a patient's care or indeed a patient's safety at risk must not be countenanced. Our vision of the NHS is one that works through patient empowerment, through clinically-led commissioning and through competition. One that responds quickly and nimbly and effectively to clinical needs and operates within the realities of its budget. One where the patient is in control of their own care and where change is led by clinicians. An NHS with outcomes that are among the very best in the world. Thank you very much. <laughs>